Hey guys, welcome to this week's weekly crypto catch up. I'm Pat. I'm Tommy. And we're back in the hot seats, talking all things crypto, giving Ted a bit of time off. He's been stepping up a bit lately. Yeah, I mean, we just want to make sure he doesn't get ahead of himself. Um, He has been omitted this week. Not entirely performance-based. I mean, he's doing pretty well, but yeah, I reckon we just give him a week in the twos. He can just build on the good work he's done and, you know, we can... We can suss him out again for, for later on, but always great to have Ted in. Absolutely. Just a dig. He's a fan favorite. <laughs> so as always, we'll give our little take on the markets and what's happening right now. A couple of news items that we'll dive into. Some notable things there. I've got Coinbase and their recent venture into the DeFi space and the new Ethereum Layer 2 product that they've brought out, Base. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Just some updates on the liquid staking protocols out there and what's sort of happening around there. Some regulation and product changes across the Australian landscape. Just some other notable updates that we'll dive into as well. But to kick it off, as always, mate, Tommy, how are you feeling about the markets? Oh, I went in deep last week. You went in and, deep? Yeah, with Ted last week. We were, yeah, I heard you guys were. Yeah, yeah we, were, we were calling it. Well, Ted wasn't calling it. He was sitting on the fence where I used to sit. But um, <laughs> man, I mean, it's we've just seen week to week chopping at the moment. Yeah. Like, you know, one week we're seeing 10% gains. Next week we're seeing 10% losses. It's really just playing it out week yep. on week at the moment. Mm-hmm. I did call it last week and I said I thought we were going to make a move higher and I was right for about eight hours. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, again, you know, when we call these things, you got to take it with a grain of salt. But at yeah, the end of, of the day, there was some decent strength in the market last time we were on the podcast, which was, mm-hmm. I think it was last Tuesday we yep. recorded. Yep. We did see a break above 24200 with the Bitcoin price in US dollar terms. So we'd seen a very short term move and I kind of brought everything with it. Mm-hmm. I'm still convicted. I'm still kind of keeping with this theory that this current run, I don't think it's over yet. I think we still got some legs and absolutely think that there's a move higher on the cards. Time frames are always the variable, right? Correct. Nobody really knows these things. Yeah. But I guess... For me, there's just too many people calling for shorts now. Everyone's talking about Bitcoin back underneath yeah. the UK again. Everyone wants it cheaper. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. It's just kind of, we see it every day, every week, right? Yep. Just That's the way it plays out. But, you know, for me, short is just not the direction that I think the market has the most support. Mm. So mm. what's your take on it? Yeah, I think what you called it, it's just Chop City at the moment. Like, that's what it is. And you guys, after I think he's made that call, there was some data that came in from the macro level that came in a bit hot, which I guess just made people take a bit of a more risk-off stance. So I guess fear. that, yeah, a bit of fear, just all uncertainty and just may have caused a bit of that sell pressure. But oh yeah, I mean, right now we're looking down the scope of no real big news catalyst for about two to four weeks. So historically, two things happen. Either markets do run because we've had that sort of stress removed and, you know, people do speculate opportunities in the next coming weeks using the momentum that we've just had coming out in December, January and that that sort of rise higher. Yep. Or two, the market starts selling and we start pricing in some pretty aggressive stances that the Fed might be putting in. So I mean, that is the good old-fashioned way of saying I'm sitting on the fence because it could go up, could go down, but well, it's we, just... We're talking about it all this year. We're talking yeah. about that yeah. build-up to the Fed yeah. announcements is the indicator of 2023. Do not so fight far. the Fed. Yeah, exactly. That's, right. that's what's been the key news. But I think if you approach it as a level-to-level systematic way to look at the market right now, like I think that's what's been helpful to me. Like There's nothing, in my opinion, stopping us from hitting 30 or 20K right now. Yeah. It just comes down to the market's conviction. And there's always a case and narrative that Bitcoin just goes sideways, total value in the market cap stays steady, 
money's just recycling out of Bitcoin into altcoins. And, you know, that's kind of yep. been partially probably what's to explain a lot of these altcoins running two to three to 400% in seven days. So again, like this isn't something you sort of fight, but it's just following the ebbs and flows of the market. You know, you know where you're getting in, know where you're getting out, I think is a big one, especially when we do see this chop. People don't take profit religiously enough. Yeah. Do you think um, people are going to go, potentially go back to that old mm. method that we mentioned a few weeks ago? What's that? You know, just rinsing all coin profits like back into Bitcoin. Oh, totally. Is that kind of happening again or is that more an old, older strategy that people used to use? It'd be interesting to see if that is where people approach the markets because that was the old norm. Like this would be the point where everyone would be looking at BTC pairs and just yeah. trying to pick which one's outperforming Bitcoin right now to get more Bitcoin. But we talked about yeah. it. I think I mentioned like a kind of comparison with, you know, rinsing a high performing tech stock into like an ETF yeah. like that or, yep. a, you know, some kind of an index fund where people like the trend in crypto was the same. People mm. were rinsing an altcoin profits into Bitcoin because it was at least perceived to be the kind of more steady asset or probably Ethereum as well, I think has benefited over the years from that same type of strategy. Yeah, so it's going to be absolutely. interesting to see if that kind of takes over again. And, you know, as we see altcoin cycles, that's yep. generally what where people like to play it. Definitely. And I think a big part of the picture also is something that we speak about as well time to time that I think might just touch on now, just so everyone's aware of it, the DXY, so yep. the US dollar index. So that at the present time of recording on a Tuesday is currently coming into some previous highs. So that potentially could be a key level. What does the DXY do? It's essentially a way to measure the performance of the US dollar. So it's an index aggregate against a couple of key major currencies. It doesn't include the Aussie dollar. But other big, massive global currencies like you send the Aussie dollar isn't the global powerhouse. We think apparently not. Uh, apparently, the rest of the world doesn't think upsetting. so. That it's is upsetting. upsetting. No one wants our Vegemite that badly. Uh, it doesn't, not enough to power the world. But essentially, what it does is it sort of garners how strong is the US dollar. So when you think about Bitcoin pricing, we're always talking US dollars because that's just what's native across the world. So if Bitcoin's priced in US dollars and US dollars is stronger perceived versus other currencies, yeah. like it could be what suppresses the valuation of Bitcoin. And you mentioned, you know, you mentioned there's not too many catalysts out there at the mm. moment, I guess. Not that we're searching for a catalyst, but this is potentially one that, that people need to have on their radar. A strong yep. US dollar means for the US dollar Bitcoin price, it's going to be harder for it to break into new highs. Yep, that's right. Which potentially, you said, you know, DXY or US dollar hitting highs now, a mm. retracing US dollar potentially eases up the... Takes the pressure uh, off. Takes a bit of the pressure off yeah. in terms of the Bitcoin price and US dollar trend. Yep. So, yep. you know, maybe it's a catalyst, maybe it's not, but I think it's definitely one for, for people to watch. I mean, for me, it's like anything that hits highs mm. is something that you need to be aware of. And that's right? what's if happening it, right now. If it affects now. your market like the US dollar does. Yep. So, yeah, I think that's no, that's a key, key story to call out, Matt. I think it's very important. But this is also one of those metrics where... Anytime there's any political row or some sort of geopolitical tension, like the US dollar index also tends to flurry again. So it's not like something that you can just technically look at and say it's going to do this or it's going to do that. It's more to say it's at a point of interest and we're just waiting to see what's going to happen. So it's not like the decision making tool. No. One of the tools in the the chess, essentially. Correct. Correct. So, I mean, that plus nothing else coming out, you know, if we start to see that sort of fall away a little bit, that could give the markets just a little bit of breathing room. So, I mean, that's something that would also influence, you know, not related to crypto, but like the equity markets as well. So they kind of turn to those sort of indicators as well for the S&P and the NASDAQ and the Dow Jones Index, things like that as well. All eyes on the US markets and the US dollar over the next couple of weeks. That's it. Excellent. What's moving, Med? You got some market top movers for us. Yeah, a bit of a theme that we're seeing. So I know you guys talked on it last week as well. We've got SSV Network, we've got Stacks. Yep. They're running hot 50 and 40% respectively up in the last seven days. So some 
pretty new and exciting infrastructure right there. Seen Anchor Protocol, again, another infrastructure token that's up 21%. We've got Floki, just killing it, 22% up as well in the last seven days. Yeah, right. And then we have talked about this, I think it's been a long time now, like Lido Dow up 11% and Optimism as well, the layer two up 12%. So definitely a infrastructure heavy theme with a little bit of salt that is DeFi. I was looking a bit deeper into Lido Dow. I've used it through my ledger, staking Ethereum, more of a yep. learning how to do it, I suppose, like more of a speculative type. All right, how do I actually interact with this through like a ledger wallet? Yeah, okay. And one of the key pieces that I found out this week is LiDAR are launching essentially like a V2 of their protocol. Interesting. That is leaning into the Ethereum unlock. So basically they're going to make it really easy for current people that are staking with Lido mm. on the liquid staking protocol mm. to remove their eat. So they're essentially like doing the heavy lifting for users. So there are, is incentive for people to continue to keep their assets staked with Lido, mm. as well as move away if they do want to unlock that eat. They obviously have to give back the liquid token where there are potentially more use cases for it across DeFi and things like that. So Yeah, interesting. Have they given yeah. any dates for that or not yet? I think mid March is kind of what everyone is, is talking about for the Shanghai upgrade. The I Shanghai mean. they haven't given a solid date even for that just yet. No, right? no, that's bit right. of a bit of a grey one. Yeah. yeah. I mean it, it's historically this is how like VIPs, <laughs> yeah. like the Ethereum improvement protocols, yeah. they're called. Historically, they've not been great in terms of like delivery of certain dates. But yeah. you know, I think they've got a really strong history of delivering but yep. don't tie them down to a date <laughs> yeah i think that's you know what it is that's the that's a great example of like the contrast between something like the ethereum projects and other projects like solana i don't know if you read or heard like that went down over the weekend yes, Be- i did see that they pushed an update they basically went for the fast and hard approach of let's yeah. just get something out and see if it works and it broke and then they rolled it back Whereas you look at something like Ethereum, like will I spend years and years and years so something yeah, doesn't right. fail when it does change? And yeah. Two very different approaches yeah. to, uh, to yeah. releases, deployments on yeah. chain. And yeah. it's not to say one's better or worse. One is obviously going to be getting results faster, but one could also tear everything down around it. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, Solana's definitely copped it yeah, they have. in terms of reputation across delivery times. And yeah, I guess they're trying to push the boundary on speed, yeah. right? So yeah. these are the things that are going to happen. It's kind of like that fail fail fast type uh, methodology. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I was just going to say, you mentioned yep. STX as well, which is, yes. uh, it's up Stacks, which is... What's uh, up Stacks? What's up Stacks, yeah. Which is <laughs> which is up 42, 43% almost in the last seven days. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one that I think a lot of people have been bullish on because yep. of this new, this new layer. Bitcoin upgrade, which was Taproot, which is essentially a way for users to interact with Bitcoin with its true smart contracts where yep. they weren't able to do it before. Mm-hmm. We now have things called ordinals on Bitcoin, which essentially, again, piece of smart contract that's written that allows people to deploy more data within the block mm. than we've ever done before, essentially, with Bitcoin. So yep. there's a bit of a narrative forming around Bitcoin NFTs. Now, I don't want to kind of put those two yes. things in the same yep. sentence. I'll probably get shot for it, but yep. it is kind of a narrative just opening up. You know, I did it the other night, for instance. You can log on to a couple of different platforms and you can mint a, it was essentially like minting an NFT on mm. OpenSea or something like that. But I did it as a kind of a, a test just to see how it worked. Yeah, was it? It's pretty good. Yeah, it cost yeah. about 15 USD worth of Bitcoin to, okay. to mint your ordinal. And it took obviously a lot longer than it would with, at least with Matic, because I'd, mm. I'd previously minted on Matic before. Okay. Is, you know, pretty instant. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was the experience was fine. It, it's just, uh, I guess, just highlighting that it is a narrative that I don't know about if the Bitcoin maxis are really happy about it, but it's something that's kind of evolving at the moment and, yeah, nice. and something to keep an eye on. Yeah, awesome. Challenging, kind of challenging. Ethereum is the king of 
of NFT when it comes to, you know, those platforms and where they live. So I think it makes sense. And, you know, we've talked about this before. We don't think we've seen the final form of NFTs, especially when it comes into more than just memes and pitches. Like we're talking about potentially like derivative smart contracts and, you know, other things that we just haven't really experienced before. Tokenized property. So being able to tie that into potentially a smart contract on On Bitcoin. That's collateralized by Bitcoin. That might be like a potential value driver for that whole thing. Absolutely. That's interesting. I guess while we're talking about it, we can dive into the first news item, which is, again, just on the topic of liquid staking. The total value locked in liquid staking overtakes DeFi. So, again, just so touch on this, just everyone sort of is aware, what the hell are we talking about? Liquid staking basically means that you don't have to lock up all of your Ethereum. And now that it's moved to proof of stake from proof of work, so the liquid staking company basically will take your ETH, they'll allocate their own ETH lock that up and provide you basically like a contract that says it's equal to the same amount. So it allows you to sort of have that flexibility and not be locked into terms or any vesting periods, which currently is what's happening with Ethereum. So their governance token has surged about 200% this year so far, the Lido DAO token. So I know from my perspective, the biggest question mark for me is like once Ethereum doesn't need to be locked up and people can withdraw it, yeah. whether there's still going to be value in liquid staking derivatives in the same way that there are right now. Um, yeah. you, what's your thoughts on that? I think there will be, Matt, to be honest, because at the end of the day, people are still going to want to lock up Ethereum yeah. for rewards, mm. right? So when it unlocks, you'll have two choices. You can go and lock up your Ethereum and get nothing back, mm. or you can lock it up with a liquid staking protocol still get the same rewards or even maybe higher rewards. Yeah, right. And then also get that liquid staking token out where you can go into DeFi, you can go into NFT platforms with it. So you have utility and use case from these liquid tokens that come back. Okay. You know, the only thing really that's changing at the Ethereum level is that you can stake your tokens today and then unstake them, say, in seven days or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then take them out. So at the moment, you can't take them out. It's all just a one-way transaction one way. with yep. that beacon chain smart contract. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, listen, this is, it's a contentious one at times. People are asking the question, when Ethereum unlocks, is everyone just going to go and withdraw their Ethereum? Well, yes, maybe some people will. But at the end of the day, I think Ethereum is is one of those blue chip mm. assets that people are going to want to hold on to long term. They do kind of have more belief and support in it. Yep. Massive communities, massive amount of use cases, everything Especially else. Especially now it's deflationary to some degree. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And the other key point here is, as people withdraw from the beacon chain or withdraw staked eat mm-hmm. the rewards go up so they go up yeah they go right. up yeah. so the more people that are staking the less rewards that you'll get generally okay but as people remove it the rewards go up so the incentive comes back for you to kind of stake your eat again mm. through direct you doing it yourself with your own wallet or wherever else you want to do it across web3 or going to like i said the likes of lidar rocket pool these guys for liquid staking options so yeah, yeah I mean, cool. I mean Short answer. <laughs> Short answer is, yeah, I do I do think there is there is a good use case for liquid staking post-Ethereum, post-Shanghai upgrade as well. Not bad, it's insightful. Yeah, yeah it's good. Nice. I guess the second thing we could touch on is the recent moves by Coinbase. Did you want to dive into that, Tommy? Yeah, yeah. So I, mean, I think this is a very key news story across the industry. Coinbase is kind of, it's the first publicly listed cryptocurrency exchange. It's seen sure. as... In some respects, it's seen as the standard in terms of what a crypto exchange should be, how it's managed, how it's ran. You can kind of make your own decision on that, whether that's the case or not. But I mean, that's definitely the perception in the in the world of digital assets. So Coinbase, I guess, have shown 
further commitment to the industry themselves, not just to, you know, make money from transactions as an exchange. They've actually committed to launching a layer two, their own layer two on Ethereum called Base. So no prizes for the people that came up with the name (laughs) of the chain there. But (laughs) essentially Base is a, think of it as an equivalent of BNB for Binance, but it's a Coinbase's answer to BNB or the BSC chain that Binance have. So yeah, for me, it's a really, it is a kind of a bullish story that's coming out of it. Base essentially will be built using Optimism's OP stack. Optimism is another L2. We've kind of covered Just it. Talked about, we, we talked about it movies. earlier. It's yeah. open source code that powers Optimism, which is yep. a new L2 as well. On that new now, I suppose. It's been around for a while. But Coinbase is working with and using code from Optimism to, uh, to build competitive L2, essentially. Right. And yeah, I mean, it's a story that I think is very, very important overall in the adoption of crypto and the adoption of these L2s, you know. Mm-hmm. everyone's trying to do it better at the moment yep. Coinbase have that brand power to put behind it and I can't see a future where this chain doesn't absolutely have massive TVL massive use cases new projects launched on it in the next 12, 18 well, yeah, months we've seen how this all goes down like if it, does, it doesn't have to be Coinbase to yeah. whenever one of these sort of new networks does come online there's always incentive they're trying to attract developers they're trying to attract projects that's right trying to even create I guess bridges to bring different projects onto their yep. network and things like that so yep. Oh, it's going to be interesting. And the other question is what yeah. people will probably want is like, all right, well, we, we think this thing is going to be good. Mm. Is there a token for it? Well, they've said at the moment yeah. they're not going to actually launch tie a token to base at this stage. Yeah. Again, these are all things that could change in future. But, you know, I guess in terms of capturing that upside, it's probably going to be more around mm. the infrastructure, more around the projects that are that are launching on this new, new chain as well. So, Seems like a wild move given, again, like everything you said about they're usually the good boy in the yeah. corner. And yeah. now they're, sort of foraying into defined smart contracts while the SEC is just like yeah. throwing the hammer at everyone. I mean, they've publicly stated, especially around, you know, staking with the whole story about cracking, you know, in the last couple of weeks as well, Coinbase have kind of said, we're happy to go yeah. and fight this. You know, we believe it's it's yeah. not a uh, financial product or it's not a security, like staking yeah. staking as a service kind of thing. Because so, even doing something like this, like they're going to have to create their own LPs, like liquidity pools yeah. and... You know, everything like that. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot that, that ties into it. But yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think they'll pull it off and I think oh. it's going to be a long-term kind of future chain to, to keep an eye on. Yeah. Mm. It will start out as kind of centralized, obviously, because it is centralized within the Coinbase group or ownership structure. Yeah. But the idea is that it'll decentralize itself over time. Yeah. You know? Similar to the argument people had against Ethereum when it moved to proof of stake, right? Mm. Like, you know, yep. the whole decentralized versus centralized kind of yep, yep, argument. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a big one and it's one we're going to be keeping our, our eyes very, yep. very close on over the next, yeah, coming months and, and years probably, which is really good. It's going to be good. Yeah, one I wanted to touch on as well, kind of very Aussie specific, but it wasn't really an announcement. It was more of a something that happened <laughs> where Binance, yeah, was. yeah, Binance essentially, they had an issue with how they were onboarding some of their wholesale clients that essentially they were onboarding wholesale clients when they shouldn't have been or yeah, were, okay. you know, using the wrong criteria or something like that. So yep. there was a liquidation event or a, a close of derivative orders. So people had kind of positions long or short and they got automatically closed by Binance, which is never, it's never a good look. But I think there was some valid reasons for that. Yep. But that kind of happened in the in Australia. That was with Binance Australia. So yep. One for people, I guess, to to be across. It was pretty well covered. I think they said that, you know, they were going to essentially fix up any losses that people had on their accounts. It wasn't, 
intended to happen the way it did. Mm. And then the other point was that the EARN program that Binance have, like we've kind of talked a fair bit about regulations and how things are changing in that area. So Times are changing. Yeah, that's right. So the, you know, earning, the, these types of earning features just continue to come under pressure yep. from a, a varying degree of, of sources. Yeah, and you know we just seen this week as well that that Binance stopped new participants entering their earn program as well. So mm-hmm. again, it's another one to watch the space on. Binance doing doing their due diligence, I suppose. You know they they gotta they gotta look after customers, customers absolutely. first, and they're making they are making moves in that area. So it's definitely one to to keep an eye on. Mm, absolutely, yeah. What do we got off the cuff, Matt? We got a few off the cuffers today. Yeah, I know you guys were talking about Blur last we week. Are. I had a quick listening, you and Ted, have a yeah. little chat. And I, yeah, it's been impressive to see, I guess, the uptake of that one. I mean, lower trading fees for NFTs compared to OpenSea. I mean, seems like a no-brainer for anyone that's been in that space for quite some time. Um, I'm not saying I have, but anyone who has, like yeah. they're seeing value there. But, but yeah, I mean, that token launching at five bucks, quickly tanking to be under $1. Yeah. We've listed it here at SwiftX now as well as a developer trading. Yeah. But I know that that's been on quite a few watch lists. Um, yeah, I think it's just late. about 84 cents at the time of recording here yeah. today on the 28th. So, I mean, question is, mm. can it reach all-time highs again? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, there, there's plenty of room for it to move up now in a short period of time. Yeah. I'd much rather launch it or, or list the token at 84 cents than I would than five bucks, especially after yep. a launch like that. Yeah. With all of the kind of baggage that surrounded Blur, like we covered the airdrop that early participants had received. And, yeah. You know, that was just an obvious sell, sell on release type moment. That, it's so uh, common. Was, like, look at Aptos. Like, that had a, yeah. an airdrop too in the price tank straight afterwards. Yeah. And look at Aptos where it is now. Like, yeah, not saying right. it's going to be the same thing. But playing conditions are different. But yeah. like, you always do anticipate with any of those sort of ones where they do reward the community that. Yeah. 80% of the community that gets the tokens are going to sell at least yep. all of them, if not half of them. So Yeah, Coinbase announced they're delisting BUSD, so Binance's stablecoin, mm-hmm. following on from the SEC case against Paxos, who are the suppliers or creators of Ste on Binance's behalf. So, I mean, that's a bit another big one to watch. You know, yeah. it all plays into this question about whether it's security or not. Is USDC going to be treated the same, which is what everyone's kind of talking about at the moment. So yeah, fair. again, it's one to watch. Yeah, I was kind of, I was disappointed to see that BUSD token have an impact like it is. And, and yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what happens to trading pairs across Binance as well. Over They've the shifted a fair few to that. Yeah, part. they've shifted a fair few back mm. to uh, USDT again. Oh, jeez. It's interesting how the narrative changes. Everyone is like hard against USDT, Tether. Yeah, it's never been a bear market. Like we get the China FUD, we get the Tether FUD every There's now and then. always going to be stablecoin FUD. Yeah. Doesn't matter yeah, which one true. it is. Yeah, I don't, but yeah, this is, yeah. yeah I mean, it'd be interesting one to watch yeah. out, play out just in case anyway. Yeah. But I, I've seen a spokesperson for Coinbase kind of said, oh, yeah. the asset just no longer meets their listing criteria, whatever like a, their listing criteria compliance is. Then. But it's, yeah, it'll yeah. be it'll be compliance and it'll be a lot to do with what the SEC is, how it's determining that asset. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to come in the firing line at yeah, the moment. Absolutely. Another one I guess we've got is Wales currently holding 39% of Ethereum supply. Wales the country or Wales the well, animal? <laughs> uh, we, could spin it, we could spin it the other way. The uh, country of Wales holds 39% of Ethereum. Who's got the Ethereum? They've got it they've over got there. They've got it over there, the red guys. <laughs> no, this is good. Uh, but the major holders of Ethereum, yeah, they're holding 39% of supply. And I think that ties into the narrative we're talking about, like the liquid staking derivatives. Like I'm fairly confident they would have a fair few holding companies that would have a lot of it. But yeah, compared yeah. to Bitcoin, there's only 11% of the supply held by the current whales. So, yeah. so it goes back to that centralized versus decentralized argument yeah. again for, for crypto. I think that's probably the biggest argument Bitcoin maxis have against oh, totally. Ethereum at the moment. Yeah. Like, 
talking about it centralized, talking about it being, I guess, being controlled by a, a, an entity or a foundation, yep. which is what they're trying to move away from, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't buy it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not in the camp that ETH is you know, going to continue to or grow in centralization. I think it goes the other way for me, following the proof of stake move. Yeah, hard to say, but yeah, you'd want to think so. And maybe like this whole liquid staking sort of saga that has, you know, obviously it's very concentrated. You either do this or you lock it up. Yeah. Maybe that's what skewed the numbers to be a bit more dominant. Well, for people to think about it, it's like markets can be moved Mm. by people that if a group, people or person holds or controls that amount of Ethereum, like 39% is a strong number, right? Mm. So a lot of that kind of comes back to Maybe the the entities that do hold it are are these liquid staking. Like I know that Lido holds a ton of ETH mm. that people have staked with them. So maybe they don't too. have yeah, maybe they don't actually have the direct control. So this metric can be skewed as well. So it's hard hard one to know. We should dig into. Yeah. That's an interesting one. But some other news we've got as well, HBAR. So any Hedera fans out there, there's a big token unlock. Shout uh, out to Colin. Shout out to Colin. That's happening tomorrow at 10 a.m. So that'll be like yesterday at the time that the podcast gets released. So token 6.28% of the total supply being unlocked. So that's equivalent to about 225 mil. So it's the largest portion unlock that they had in quite some time. So what this usually means is essentially there's more supply. So whether or not people will be selling, a bit more selling pressure, who knows? But that's kind of like the gist that... Was this part of their tokenomics? Yeah. Like the tokenomics of the whole project? Yeah, so sorry. Yeah, this is this is how most projects do work. They kind of give maybe early investors or employees or yep. even other entities certain supplies that get staggered over a certain amount of time for being early investors in the program. So it's to stop people basically going to market from day one and dumping all their tokens yeah. and driving the price into the ground. It's kind of like a staggered release of the asset itself over time. So, so the question is, what do people do with this Correct. this new 6% of total supply that's going to be unlocked? Yeah. Are they going to hold on to it? Are they believers in the project long term or, mm-hmm. or are we going to see again, if, I guess, an impact in the market? Correct. Uh, when is that happening, Pat? There's tomorrow, so right. that'll be the 1st of March. 1st of March. Yeah, yeah right. Definitely want to know. For Volatility is, is what you're watching for. Yeah. But other than that, I think that's all the off the cuff is. We got a couple of AMA questions. Uh, oh, we're in. Which one do you want? Do you want the top one or the bottom? I'll take the top one. All right. I'm giving it to you. All right. All coins, all coins to keep an eye out for. In the crypto climate, what are the altcoins to keep an eye out for in the crypto climate? Well, we're coming out of summer, so Ooh, we are coming out of summer. Yeah, so the climate might change. That's true. No, <laughs> so we're not telling you. Yes. In other words, <laughs> I mean we've touched on this before, like things that we were touching on as themes, like we've seen AI explode, and yeah. I mean that doesn't look like it's slowing down in terms of like outside of crypto. That you know that everyone's sure. looking to integrate AI into search engines like Bing and Google. So like you know that's all happening. So whether that's sort of as a concurrent theme will continue. Yeah. Uh, will be interesting. I was very surprised to see AGIX still continue to be yeah. in that top top movers in the second yeah. I think we it's been in there for about six or seven weeks now. Every podcast we do, it's yeah, it's always up there. And we always say there's a good chance it's gonna, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna cool off. And yep. um yeah, I mean it's gonna be interesting, right? Let's see if it's in there again next week. But yep. the AI narrative is is huge at the moment. You know, Absolutely. we touched on infrastructure, we touched on like Coinbase's new layer. It's not an altcoin given but yep. you know the infrastructure plays you know we don't have to call them out i mean you can go and look at yeah top infrastructure plays and there's a little nugget there actually i could give some people there is a new breed of tech coming out called zero knowledge which i think i might have sort of dropped every now and then on previous podcasts it's not new in the sense that it's something that's been in the development for quite some time but 
the actual application and use of these, this new way of scaling on Ethereum is only coming live in the next couple of months. So Matic will be launching a testnet, I think, in March using this new technology. So essentially right now, Matic runs like side by side with Ethereum. I know this sounds very trivial, not on top, but the new tech will basically allow it to run in a similar way that Optimism runs. So if anything's got ZK in the way that it's operating, zero knowledge, I'd recommend go doing some reading on it. Oh, I knew I had something to call out with you. Yeah. There is a token called Base. We just said that there isn't a token called oh, the- There is a token called Base, Base Protocol, oh. that when Coinbase announced this. Uh, when did it? Yeah. It it pumped by about four or five hundred percent. Holy God. On the Coinbase announcement. It, for people listening, it has absolutely nothing to do with Coinbase. Yeah, it's like a rebasing token. It's isn't? a rebasing token. Yeah, I remember that. But yeah, essentially, this was kind of, you know, talk about oh memes and crypto. This was another kind of one of those I didn't even think about circumstances. that. So, I think, Pavel, what you're trying to say is anything connected <laughs> with ZK potentially is something that people can have a look at. And yeah. whether it's involved or not, that doesn't matter in terms of you know, market reactions at times. Yeah, or you could be going to the more direct relationship, which is what I was getting at. So yeah. things like, you know, zero knowledge protocols, some that are out there are Loopring, LRC, Mina protocols one. There is Matic as well, a bit more of a blue chippy one, I guess you could say. There's some, a whole bunch of new ones that probably will come out in the next couple of months. But I mean- A lot of those you can stake as well. Correct. So yeah, yeah there's definitely incentive. It gives, you, it gives you some incentive to kind of yep. get some exposure at, yeah. at some point. That's the new breed of tech coming. It's all about making Ethereum faster and better. Yep, that's yeah. right. Now, one for you, Tommy. What is a healthy level of portfolio diversification? I think that's going to be like your favorite question to answer. Oh, I don't know. I mean, everyone's circumstances are different, so it's hard. It's hard really to nut it out. But yeah, I mean, when we talk about portfolio diversification. It's a bit of a loaded question. Are we talking about full portfolio, as in money I have in the bank, equities, crypto, property? Like it's it's a hard one to call. Let's let's say like right now today, if you're looking at crypto only, yeah. what, what do you reckon? I mean, everyone is yeah. Again, everyone's circumstances are different, and I you know can't give people advice, and we never would yeah. on their own situation. You know, it's, it, everyone is different. But I mean, I always talked about crypto and superannuation and property exposure and equities exposure. Crypto is, in my opinion, still at the moment, should be on the lower spectrum of mm-hmm. what your overall portfolio should be yep. because of the volatility, right? Yeah, it's and just not that crazy. equities can't be volatile and property can't be volatile, but I think crypto is still, as much as people kind of, not everyone would agree with this, but it still is in, in its nascent stages. So yes. we are still pretty early. We don't even have regulations in this industry yet. Anything, in my opinion, 10 to 15% is kind of your max allocation from your overall networked essentially in, yep. in crypto yep. and listen that can be broken down into any any way that you like your blue chips in crypto your all coins whatever it is that's kind of the way i look at it at the moment i think that will increase over time as we as we kind of see like i said regulations come to fore we see licensing coming in for the likes of exchanges and a lot of these activities will get regulated into kind of a financial product type scenario and then i'll give opportunity for more capital come into the market which obviously equals more opportunity we will get to a point in crypto digital assets where they're treated the exact same as equities or almost the exact same as equities and they're kind of seen in the same way as equities and i just think you see that market cap your overall market cap i think it's sitting at you know 1.1 trillion or something like that at the moment it's really just a drop in the ocean at the moment so you know i think there's just massive opportunity for growth overall in the market over time. So yeah. What, what would your take be on that in terms of a healthy portfolio? 
I guess it just comes down to where you are in life. But I think what you're saying there about anything below, I think, sub 30%, if you're going into crypto, sounds like a reasonable amount. Like, I, I think I've said this before, like, my takeaway is if you're thinking about it while you're going to sleep, it's too much in there because it is a up and down roller coaster ride yeah. most of the time. And yeah. sometimes you're shooting vertical, sometimes you're, even when you're sideways, it's still moving, you know, like we're talking about, like 10% up and down, up and down, up and down. So you just have to think about like at the end of the day, like what's the goal here? As much as you love a project or a crypto, you're trying to make money, right? Yeah. So if you're right. if you're not taking regular profits, you're not cutting losses where you should be, you're destroying your capital. So, you know, 30% or somewhere around less than that, again, everyone would be different. Like yeah. that seems like a... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like you said, it is different for everybody. Not mm. everyone is investing with, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, some people are investing with a hundred bucks, right? Yeah. Like it, it really comes down to the personal circumstances there when it comes to it. But yeah, I mean, key point for me is I think everyone should have some crypto as part of their portfolio. Now. You know, we're in 2023. Yeah. I think yeah. it's backwards in its thinking if, if you don't believe that you need to have any cryptocurrency in your portfolio at this stage. So yeah, I mean, we're probably going to get some some debate on that one, but it's that's good. That's what we it's, want. It's no, it is. It is mm. good. And this is what we're, we're here to give our opinions on it. And that's it. That's how it is. So... I think we've covered everything today. It's been great great to get you back on and you're looking fresh. You got a new haircut. I have, yeah. looking trim. Well, thank you to the new beard trimmer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we covered that as well. (laughs) Well, guys, we'll pack it up for today. Again, follow us on socials at Tapping Into Crypto. Keep putting in your questions. We do, you know, we are looking to answer more of these um, questions as over time. Tell us what you want to see more or less of. Is it Ted? I mean, like I said, we benched him this week, but we might bring him back. Yeah. Just let us know what you want and uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the next one. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon.